Hi everyone. Today I want to just talk about uh, a theological idea called annihilationism. Um, on Sunday, I spoke about um, taking God's warnings seriously. It's from Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the life of Noah and how his faith was expressed in taking God's warning about the upcoming flood seriously and how he built the boat. And so we, of course, had to deal with God's warning about um, an eternal punishment that Jesus spoke about and the Apostle Paul and all the apostles spoken about an eternal punishment if someone rejected faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to talk about uh, a theology that kind of has come up about um, eternal destinies. And that concept is annihilationism. It's the idea that, you know, after the final judgment, people who didn't have faith in Christ and aren't going to heaven, instead of existing in a state that can experience the punishment and wrath of God, they are just kind of destroyed. They they blink out of existence. They go back to whatever it was their existence was before they were born in the first place. So I want to um, just kind of look at that from scripture. It's a very appealing idea. I think that there's a real emotional appeal to it. The idea that, you know, for all eternity, no one would be suffering. That even if people were judged as being wicked, even if people were judged as being, uh, having embraced their sin and rejected Christ and God, uh, at, they wouldn't be suffering at least. That seems merciful. And and though I can, I can think I can appreciate that emotionally, you know, I have to go back and test everything by scripture. And so uh, one of the key scriptures for me that kind of makes that concept something that I don't think the Bible teaches is Jesus is teaching on, on fear, actually, from Luke 12, starting in verse 4. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. So in this teaching, Jesus is kind of in, in quite a direct, almost, you know, harsh way, he's dealing with fear of man. He's saying, you know, I, I know that as you follow me, you're going to get resistance and all of you are going to be tempted to be afraid of people and to kind of quit or adjust what you're saying or how you're doing things in order to get people to stop persecuting you. And he's saying, don't do that. Um, he's saying, think about the worst thing people can do to you. The, the very worst thing they can do to you is kill you. And, this is the Lord speaking, once someone's killed you, you're free. They can't do anything more to you. If if they kill you, which is the worst thing that can happen to you, you actually escape from being under their power. But he's saying, there is someone who that's not true about. And this is a person you should fear. This is a person you should revere and have in awe and treat their opinion as more important than anybody else's opinion. opinion and to know that they have uh, control over your life. He said, I want you to fear God. Because... God, not only is he ruling over physical life and death, not only does he have the power to kill, but after that, he also has authority to cast into hell. And hell, um, for Jesus, he used the word Gehenna, and it was usually a reference to the burning garbage dump out the city, which was a picture of a tormented, um, ongoing existence after death. And so for me, I, I test the idea of annihilationism against what Jesus is doing here. And for me, it doesn't work. It doesn't work um, if the truth is, is that after death and after judgment, the wicked 
are destroyed in such a way that they have no experience of anything anymore, then actually the reality is is that um, no matter if it's people or the Lord, once you're dead, you're dead. So he's saying the thing that makes people not that powerful is that once they kill you, you you're, you're free from their attacks anymore. You, they can't hurt you anymore. But God's different. Even after physical death, he has an authority to inflict upon you um, unpleasantness and torture beyond um, any means of escape, beyond the escape of even mortal death. And so we need to fear him and we need to please him and walk with him. And we need to have faith in his son. This is the whole point is calling to don't abandon faith in the son. He's come to rescue you. He's come to bring you to heaven. He's come to bring you into a loving relationship with God forever. So don't by fearing men, abandon that. And he says, because God has an authority that goes beyond the authority of men. He has the right to, even after death, be in charge of your experience of eternity. And so he's saying, fear God and not men. And a a second line of reasoning that that impacts me is is this. Um, When Job was going through his afflictions, he said, curse the day that I was born. He's saying it would have been better if I'd never been born because I've been born into this life where I can, where I can experience all this pain. And Jesus said about Judas, um, it would have been better if he had never been born. And so take these ideas. Judas, Job says the existence before you're born where you can't feel pain, where you can't experience anything bad, that is better than this life. And, and Jesus said, yeah, and in this life, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you're killed. And then Jesus said about Judas, um, it would have been better if he'd never been born. It'd be better if he never even experienced anything in life because the future that he is heading to as my betrayer is worse than if he had never existed. Now, take the concept of annihilationism, that idea that after the final judgment, um, people are just sent back to non-existence. That is the state of having never been born. So how is that a punishment for rejecting Christ if you go to a state that is better than actually being alive now and being able to suffer and go through pain? And if Jesus knew that Judas was going to a state of just non-existence, um, how can he say it would be better if you'd never been born? He should have said something like, um, you're going to go back to the state like you were never been born. That's going to be your reward for this. It'll be like you'd never been born. But no, he's saying something worse than having never been born is going to happen to Jesus. And this is this idea. Um, this is the reality that God as judge will bring an eternal experience to every living person. For those who come to faith in Christ and humble ourselves and repent of our sins and get the free gift of grace, it'll be an experience of unspeakable joy and freedom, and healing, and love in God's presence. But for those of us who reject it, and cling to our sin instead, and reject the grace of God, reject the Lord Jesus Christ, the punishment is going to be felt. It's going to be terrible, and it's going to last forever. And I think it's important to know this truth, because if we um, believe in annihilationism, if we think actually that everybody's just going to get brought to a state where they don't experience anything, well, it will actually could actually diminish the impulse for missions and outreach. Um, You know, it's great if people get saved because they'll go to heaven, but even if they don't, it's not going to be that bad. That doesn't necessarily fuel God-glorifying missions and outreach. That's something for us to think about.